Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, September 17th, 2021. It is always sad when tragedy strikes, when something terrible truly happens. There's no way around just sorrow surrounding that event. However, there's an extra sense of sorrow that comes in times of tragedy when it feels like the tragedy could have been easily avoided. You have that, that, that sense of this is so unnecessary. I'm mourning this tragic thing that has happened and it didn't have to be this way. We're probably going to feel a little bit of that as we start the book of Isaiah today. And also, really, I think it'll that theme will go throughout all the passages that we are looking at in Revival from the Bible today. But we're starting the book of Isaiah. Now, let's just establish some things about Isaiah. Isaiah is a big book, 66 chapters. Uh, This prophet, and really this book, I think is one of the masterpieces of the Old Testament. Just an incredible record uh, of what happened in God's words to his people during this time. And it says in the beginning, verse 1 of chapter 1, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So there, if you remember going through First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, some of those names should be familiar to you. And it re- really tells us that Isaiah's focus was on the southern kingdom of Judah and on Jerusalem. And the two words that we're going to come back to um, the most as we read through the book of Isaiah are salvation and judgment. Salvation and judgment. And we're going to see these things also in can be confusing at points going from present or near future to distant future. And sometimes it'll kind of go back and forth. Some have tried to summarize the book as a Bible in miniature. There's 39 books in the Old Testament. There's 39 chapters in Isaiah that uh, people would say have more of a tone of judgment. And then there's 27 chapters at the end, like the New Testament, that seem to focus more on salvation. But the division isn't so neat and tidy as that is. Um, There's salvation and judgment mixed throughout. And what can be confusing is that sometimes I believe the judgment or salvation that is being spoken of is coming soon, uh, where sometimes it is speaking of salvation or judgment that is still yet to happen even now. And so with that in mind, we come into the first four chapters of Isaiah today, and it you can tell this play is going to be a tragedy, uh, but the problem is it seems like an unnecessary one. Just let's let's get a sample of A few of the first verses here, starting in chapter 1, verse 2. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly, they have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. 
Why will you be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? And there you start to get a sense of this is an unnecessary tragedy. Why will you continue to do this? But then you see the tragedy in verse 7. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. And the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in the vineyard, like a lodge in the cucumber field, like a besieged city. If the Lord had not left us a few survivors, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah, that is destruction. And we see what is is coming here. And you see some of the indictments God brings against the people. They trample his courts. They bring vain offerings. They need to repent But you get a sense also of why the the tragedy is so unnecessary when you get to a verse like verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And so there we get a good sense of God is telling them that judgment is coming, but God is also offering forgiveness. And that is a great summary of really the state of the world as it is right now. The world is headed towards judgment, but God is offering forgiveness. And so when we see the judgment of God come, It is a tragedy. And unfortunately, it should feel like an unnecessary tragedy because the offer of forgiveness is there. But if you're listening and reading today and you have put your faith in Christ, well, then for us, as we think about there's an extra sense of tragedy or of sorrow when tragedy seems like it could have been avoided, there's also an extra sense of joy when tragedy is avoided. And if your faith is in Christ, you will avoid the tragedy of God's judgment and wrath. And you can read this today and say, thank God, my sins were like scarlet, but now they are white as snow. My sins were red like crimson, but now they are white as wool. And we go on in the rest of these chapters, and you're going to see what I mean when there's a mix of salvation and judgment. Uh, It speaks of the mountain of the Lord and in a future day, it speaks of the branch of the Lord in chapter four and kind of positive future things there. Uh, But then also in chapter two and chapter three, you get more of a taste of the judgment that is coming upon Israel. Let's move on now. Speaking of judgment upon Israel, let's go to Luke chapter 20, where we start this day where all these questions will be brought to Jesus And the first one is on what authority are you doing these things? And he doesn't answer. And he kind of puts it back on them in a genius way that Jesus often does. But then he tells them a parable, a parable of this vineyard, which if you hear vineyard, you think nation of Israel and you'll find out why tomorrow when we read Isaiah chapter five. Uh, But it talks about the tenants, not, you know, giving the profits, giving the produce to the owner of the vineyard and eventually even killing his son. I mean, what a, even though it's veiled in a parable, still clear shot and rebuke at the religious leaders. And Jesus hints at the destruction that is coming when he says he will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. 
right? That is really a statement of the judgment that is coming on those who rejected the son of the vineyard owner and really an indictment of those who rejected the son of God. And so when you listen to that parable, you get a sense of tragedy and also what should feel like an avoidable tragedy as the Messiah was literally standing right there in front of them and they still did not turn. They did not repent and they would go on to kill, to crucify the son of God. There's no greater tragedy than that. But as we think though about the opposite of tragedy and the beauty of forgiveness, uh, we'll, we'll look at our other two passages today. And we'll start with Hebrews chapter 2 verses 10 through 18. And here we get a sense of what Jesus went through in verse 10. It says, for it was fitting that he from whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. That Jesus suffered Um, And that's not just, I think, talking about his death, but also just his his life and that he was uh, sanctified. The one who sanctifies and the one, those who are sanctified all have one source. And that's ultimately Jesus Christ because he went through this life. He suffered as we suffer. And then he suffered on the cross so that we might be forgiven and also that we might have the help that we need. And it talks about how he delivers us because he defeated, he destroyed the one who has the power of death through death. Um, And now we don't need to have the fear of death. We don't need to be slaves to that anymore. Uh, Death is a tragedy, but one that we don't need to fear anymore because for us, the sting of death has been removed because of what Jesus Christ has done. And on this road of suffering that we will face in the Christian life, we have help. Verse 18, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And so here it's defining suffering really as temptation. That's a suffering experience as we stand strong against temptation. And because Jesus did that and did that perfectly, he is able to help you. Do you believe that today? Sin isn't for a believer is an unnecessary tragedy because we have the help of this great high priest, Jesus Christ, who has been tempted like us, but is able and willing to help us. And also, just as we think about sin and the imagery of slavery here, slavery to the fear of death, that's also imagery that will come up as we look again at Psalm 107, these little pictures of salvation. And today we see pictures of those who um, were in trouble because of their sin or those that were in prison. Verse 10, some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So bowed their hearts, so he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he has shattered the bars, the doors of bronze and cut into the bars of iron. Isn't that an amazing picture of salvation? We're all, not all of us imprisoned and enslaved by our own sin and experiencing the consequences of that sin in our lives. But then God saved us. He heard our cry for salvation and has delivered us from the slavery of sin. I hope we rejoice in that today. That we rejoice that even though the wrath of God is coming upon wickedness and upon rebellion, 
we don't need to experience that wrath because we can be set free from that through the mercy of God, which is ultimately expressed in Jesus Christ, who suffered on our behalf. Behalf. So let us be sober-minded today as we consider the, the, the tragedy of the wrath of God and, and just the devastation that that brings and how unnecessary that is when that God is offering us forgiveness. And may we also rejoice with, with, a, with just a heart full of deep gratitude knowing that we were sinners who deserved the wrath of God, but God has set us free. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.